Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the show with no name. Thank you guys for bearing with me as I kind of kept moving the show out. It's supposed to be at 11. It will normally be at 11, but this uh, early morning, I was down at the Station 6 in Hayward Fire Station working with uh, the recruits in the academy down there. So I had all the big wigs there too, Fire Chief and everybody else watching me. So anyhow, that ended up taking uh, just a tad bit longer than had expected, and I wanted to give myself enough time to get here back in front of you guys and prepared for the show. So thank you so much for hanging on as I uh, shifted it a little bit. And today, we have some interesting stuff. We're going to be talking about private equity. We're going to be talking about rats and AI. And we're going to be talking about crunchy moms. Crunchy moms. I guess this. It's okay, Susan. We're still here. Thank you. And I appreciate you for it. I saw you guys had some comments on Tuesday. I think my show might be the only show. I'm sure Sevon will probably do some that needed to fill in. But for the most part, it's going to be us on a Tuesday. Um, I was looking through a couple other things. What is a crunchy mom? Eric Wise, I'm here for the crunchy mom talk. <laughs> All right, we'll start with that. Although Sleeky uh, gave it away, can't wait to talk crunchy moms with Sousa. He's a certified expert. Damn right. Damn right. Um, Augusta, Sousa, can you explain why the rat had balls? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Uh, Jason Tyler Watkins, CEO of the Heat One app, Zoomer MILF equals crunchy. Could be, oh, oh. Uh, Mike, uh, aka Pool Boy, y'all know him. A private equity, Frank. <laughs> Frank probably has an election, uh, uh, an election, an erection for this title is probably what you meant. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, Susan, what's up from X? Hey, it's Susan. You put Susan. You're Louie. We got it all sorted out. Everybody kind of screwed it up there. Yeah, so we're gonna talk crunchy moms. What is a crunchy mom. Well, don't you guys wait? We're gonna get right into it here. Um, do you guys like that thumbnail though? Dang, pull boy typo. Damn it, yeah, <laughs> kind of messed it up. Okay, so check this out. This so this was new to me, I had never heard of what a crunchy mom was ever or even the saying at all. And I was uh, scrolling through the gram, finding some good content for this show, and this popped up. And I thought that I would share it with you guys, and we'll go over what a crunchy mom is. Oh, of course, this is my whole identity. I'm a crunchy mom. Of course, people think it's weird I care about my health, but I think it's weirder that you don't. I'm a crunchy mom. Of course, I put butter in my coffee, and people think it's weird, but I think it's weird they use inflammatory ingredients right away in the morning in their coffee. I'm a crunchy mom. Of course, when I walk by the stickers on the back of a car that say 13.1, I think of the insert, not the race. I'm a crunchy mom. Of course, I wouldn't buy conventional milk. I'm a crunchy mom. Of course, this is my whole identity. <laughs> there you go. Crunchy mom. Sleeky is also a crunchy mom. So what is a crunchy mom? And maybe you should become a crunchy mom. Crunchy mom definition. 
given to us here. Have you guys seen the new like generative AI with Google now? Where like you type it and you search it instead of bringing up search, it also says like it like tells you about it ahead of time. Kind of strange. Um, definition of crunchy mom. A crunchy mom is a slang term for a mother or caregiver who uses a natural lifestyle in their parenting. The term crunchy mom is typically used to describe a mother or female caregiver who typically follows a natural lifestyle and incorporates it into their parenting. A crunchy mom attempts to avoid modern medicine, limits reliance on technology, and eats only organic foods. You a crunchy mom? Should you just get a new, a new label? <laughs> I think we should all. Uh, Tyler Watkins, so I was right, does equal MILF. Well, in that particular example, it did. But usually people who take care of themselves and are health focused usually tend to look a little bit better, right? They're more put together, more responsible. Uh, 12 daily doses. We have a lot of those where I am. Where are you? Where are you? Now that we know what a crunchy mom is, can you please explain why people like MILFs? <laughs> we'll save that for next week. I'll give the breakdown. <laughs> Okay, so we have a couple cool uh, topics to talk about. Of course, I'm going to be bringing you guys a article from Broken Science, hence the weird looking rat thing at the beginning. Um, but before we get into that, now that I've enlightened you guys with what a crunchy mom is already adding value to your lives. Oh, 12 daily doses, Boston. You know what's interesting though? Is there like, how do you, is there going to be a weird line between a crunchy mom and then somebody who also is woke? Is that the same person? Can they be the same person? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I have a sevenista. Of course, uh, I think those videos are dumb as fuck. <laughs> so, Corey, an interesting story. When I saw that, and I've seen people do that trend before, like, um, I'm a whatever, of course I, right? And the my mind immediately went to, like, doing one in San Francisco and then being like, I'm a fentanyl addict. Of course I'm breaking into your car. And like show somebody breaking into your car. And like, I'm a fentanyl addict. Of course I live in a tent. And then finish off the last one with, I'm a fentanyl addict. Of course I shit in the street. And just like show the different clips. I don't know. I thought that that might be a, a funny take on it. The San Francisco version, right? <laughs> yeah, of course I'm, I guess of course I'm shitting in the street, right? Just like show them like, oh, sad. Sad, sad, sad. But the great part about California is our fearless leader, Gavin Newsom. Going to be president if we're lucky enough. You know what I mean? Have you guys uh, have you guys seen the Bill Maher with um, Patrick Pet David or Julian Michaels? I know, I know as CrossFitters, we're like, we're Julian Michaels haters, right? Because of all the stuff she says about CrossFit. But it, you guys might change your tune a little bit if you watch her on Bill Maher's uh, podcast. Um, especially the Patrick David, Bet David one. It's interesting because he's like, Gavin Newsom, winner. That guy's a winner. And then when Patrick pushes him and is like, yeah, what result do you like the best? What do you think he's done the best of? He, of course, came up with nothing, um, which is kind of funny. Uh, Philip Kelly, Jillian Michaels, when I saw it. Yeah, dude, did you see that? She, she put it to him for sure. Um, Tyler Watkins, CEO of the Heat One app, Toilets are a conspiracy propped up by big sanitation. <laughs> Obviously, Matt Burns, uh, PBD took over. Yeah, he did. I, also, too, I don't like the whole entire. If you're gonna have a guest like Patrick Bet David on or anybody, we're gonna have that level of conversation. 
there's very few people who could like spark up a joint and still keep the conversation at that level. Like maybe just Joe Rogan, because the second uh, Bill started taking a couple hits, like he was like, he turned down and it, from that point forward, he, he couldn't really bring up any good points. He wasn't really, he wasn't really quick. He wasn't really quick witted. So I want to talk um, a little bit about um, Philip Kelly. Uh, Julia Michaels talked about Ozempic too. I didn't watch that much of it. I should definitely go back and watch like the whole thing. But the the first section I did watch, she was great. Um, oh, before we get into private equity, which I I have, um, I know we've talked about this before. Heaven knows Frank's talked about it in some of his stuff. But I found a really great YouTube channel um, called, if I can remember, How Money Works. So the YouTube channel is called How Money Works. And he made this video just on like what private equity is and what they do. And I've just pulled a couple nuggets out of there that I wanted just to share with you guys, because I think if we really understand the intentions of private equity as a whole, maybe not specifically Berkshire partners, but if we just, if we know what the goal of private equity is at the whole and how they typically operate, um, we could predict CrossFit's next moves. Right. We could kind of understand, okay, they're going to do this because it's going to give them this. And this is why they would do this and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, but before we get into this private equity stuff, I wanted to talk a little bit about leadership. Um, not hopefully in a lame way, but we're going to bring up our uh, friend here, Bill Meyer, one more time. And, um, you know what? Shoot. I thought I had written down who this was, but apparently I don't have it together. So if you guys recognize this uh, woman here from the uh, bit, um, put it in the comments so we know. Here we go. I know Half you're friends with Newsom. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. live here, right? Oh, we yes. We live in California. I was born here. In Oakland, they have Kaiser Hospital, where my pediatrician was, that the hospital put out a notice last week. Employees are not to leave for lunch. It's too dangerous. Right. Not only that, I have the Livermore, the Lawrence Livermore lab right up the street from the gym. They fly people in all the time. They stopped using Oakland airport because of the amount of people that got robbed getting into their rental car and leaving the airport, by the way, like they don't fly in people to Oakland anymore. So I know what she's talking about. In downtown Oakland, that's on him. Our homeless problem. I don't want to hear that the homeless problem is intractable. You want to be CEO? It's your problem. It's your dad. I just, I know you like him, but I just think uh, I can't imagine him being having the gall to to run to lead this country when he's run this state into the ground. When we just had Governor Brown not that long ago, Oakland was safe. Things were going on. It's it's not good. It's not. He looks very shiny. Um, but he-, he does look shiny, like he's put together, like he's got the hair and like, you know, he he looks the part for sure. Like, oh, he's a stand-up guy. He's not a straight shooter, and he, he's not willing to do the hard things to make this state better. And that's his only job. He doesn't realize that. He thinks it's to go sing Kumbaya with a former Marvelette at New College of Florida to make some vague point. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in our state, people are dying in these encampments. Well, I, I'm hoping that running nationally will bring him more to the center. Okay. Running nationally will bring him more to the center. Oh, I was like almost starting to like Bill. And now I just think he's a full blown idiot. Like that's like, you you guys know the couple that's like, oh, you know, we haven't been getting along that well. And like things haven't been great. But I think what would help us get closer as a couple is a kid. 
we're going to have a kid and this is going to solve our relationship problems. And I don't have any kids, but I know you guys that have have kids out there like that is the worst possible thing you could do if your relationship isn't sound, right? So like imagine somebody who has a state with a GDP the size larger than most countries. And the whole entire thing is going to shit. I mean, and we don't even need to get into the the homeless problem. We don't even have to talk about the crime. We could just simply talk about the roads. Like if you live here in the Bay Area and you drive 880 or if you drive uh, 680 or if you drive 580, it's, it's, you will fucking, you might hit a pothole that would blow your tire out. Polo will back me up on this one. He's He commutes all over the Bay Area. And you know, dude, some of those potholes and even the infrastructure portion of it, it's just falling apart. Oh, the phone line's open. Okay. All right. Thank you, Savon. We got the phone line going. First time on the show. Let me just get the Bluetooth going. Wait, what's happening? What else is playing? Wait, I'm getting a weird echo now. Is it my phone? Stand by. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, there we go. It was playing on my phone at the same time, and I can hear myself in uh, echo, and it was really odd. Okay, Bluetooth on. Okay, Roadcaster. Roadcaster. Um, and then, of course, I'm probably going to have to have one of you guys uh, call it so we could test it real quick. Um, but it would be fun to get some of your inputs on a few of these um, topics. One second all right it says we are connected okay and i'll run the phone line at the bottom and i'll switch screens in a moment here um banners all right boom we're live calling yeah okay so anyhow talking about the um giving somebody a state and they run it into ground into the ground again we're not even referring to the homeless problem or the crime problem just simply like infrastructure and the ability for um people to, to live here, to afford to live here and being able to solve some of those problems. Now, a lot of people would go, well, what is he supposed to do? It, what? He is the fuck. Gavin Newsom is the guy in charge, right? He is the guy in charge. And if you're going to be the guy in charge, everything rises and falls on you. And to think that taking him from a state level to a national level leadership is somehow going to make him a better leader and to take more responsibility is insane. It's exactly the same thing that I just talked about of like people having problems in their relationship. So they buy a dog together or they have a kid together or they think that, okay, well, if we just get married and take it to the next step, um, you know, things will get better. And it's like, no, you're just putting more on a, a, a shitty situation. So fix the situation first before you give more responsibility. And in his case, more power as well, too. And um, listen, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have like the answers for the for the uh, mental health problems that have the open drug drug camps that are falling into California. I'm not here to say that I have all the solutions to the uh, crime problem as well. But all I know is that anything that happens in and around my gym is is my fault. It's my responsibility. Even if I don't know how to figure figure out how to fix it, I better start working towards some sort of solutions to just at least start making progress towards fixing it. And when people and I get fired all the time and we don't have the ability to to fire our governor because if you, they try to do the recall, you saw the propaganda that came out. There's way too many people that are infected here with the mind virus, and they're just like they're afraid, so they would rather just live in live in the shithole. And what I mean by I get fired all the time is like 
anytime a member leaves the gym, I got fired. Anytime a coach is saying, Hey, you know, I'm not taking my hours anymore, or I'm going to do this or do that. And I won't coach anymore. I got fired. Anytime something that happens in the gym that has a negative um, effect or anything on the community, me personally, or however it goes, it's always going to come down to me, whether it was my responsibility or not. Hey, one of the coaches didn't shut the back gate. The whole entire place got robbed. That's not a true story. I'm just making this up. Again, that is my fault. Even though I wasn't the one that was there, I still had to train the coach properly. I still had to make sure that they knew what they were doing, that they were competent in their tasks, that I could delegate to them so that way that task would still continue to get done. And if I don't do it, that's 100% on me. I didn't provide enough there. And so for somebody like uh, Bill Meyer, who has a really good, really big voice in the space and has a really large audience to say like, well, you know, not all these things could be his fault. You know, he, he doesn't really know. How would you solve the problems? It's like, motherfucker, I'm not being paid to figure that out. He is. He is in charge. And we definitely need uh, the ability to hold our leadership more accountable. And um, I just wanted to, to just highlight that a little bit because I often think like sometimes people think that they're higher up, that they should be somehow void of like accountability or responsibility. And I just think that's totally bullshit. Like if you truly have somebody who's leading for the uh, front, from the front, then they are just a person who is willing to take total responsibility for everything that happens around them. And it's funny because I find myself aligning with more and more of those type of people in life. And I kind of look for that. Like you see something comes up and you're like, how are they going to react to this? And I'm not talking like a tongue in cheek where they're just, you know, venting about the situation. I'm talking about when the dust is settled, how are they reacting? Are they becoming a victim? Well, how was I supposed to figure it out? I didn't have the resources. I didn't know what to do. Or are they taking response like, hey, we screwed up there. And I definitely have to figure out how to how to solve this problem. I don't know yet, but I'm gonna actively work towards doing that and show you that there's that there's progress. Um, 12 daily doses give the police more power. Man, I don't give the police more training. Give the police more resources. I agree with that. Power? No, I don't think I don't think more power is is the solution. But I also think that it's going to come down to the personal responsibility of all of us. If the leader from the top is blaming somebody else, is blaming Trump for their problems, or is blaming other things that are outside of their control, that's going to trickle down through everything. If I start taking that same exact approach in my affiliate and just start being able to blame it. Well, you know, Hey, this happened or, Hey, I was going to get to it, but this happened or, Hey, don't you know, I'm like really busy. So I couldn't make that. How do you think my, the coaches are going to uh, act in there? How do you think Albert, my GM is going to act? He's going to, he's going to do those same exact things because he's just going to mimic my same behavior because I'm tolerating that. And there's therefore, since I'm tolerating it, I am now setting that as the standard. And we talked a little bit last time about what you tolerate becomes the standard. And um, you don't like if you're looking in terms of like leaders or political leaders or like anything else, like if if they have that victim mindset, if they're blaming, if they're tolerating a lot of bullshit, that is their standard. And that's definitely not somebody who I want to elevate to become president. Although I will make the prediction here. Clearly, Biden is unfit to serve anything. He can't even serve his own food into his mouth, let alone the country. Right. And um, there was another clip that was from Patrick Bet David's podcast earlier today, and I wanted to get it for the show. I'm not going to let you guys wait while I fumble with it here. But Gavin Newsom was essentially talking about how well Biden did. And of course, he's going to do that because they're in the same party. And that's part of, part of the problem, too, is like people just 
pony up and just tow the party line, regardless of how ridiculous it is. Um, but I bring that up just to say that like anybody who wants to hold up, um, how, how do I want to phrase this? Eric Weinstein had a really great thing on this. Um, and it was like, you pulled past a cop and they're kind of directing traffic because there was this horrific accident, right? Like, I mean, just imagine the most horrific accident you can have. No, I think, uh, the Savon podcast, uh, phone isn't working. I think it's working. I just don't think anybody's called. I think it's working, but it, it's not, it didn't, it, no one's called. Um, so when you pass by that, that scene, right. And then the cop goes, says, uh, this was Eric Weinstein's example. Um, move along here, folks. There's nothing to see. And clearly, there is something to see. There is a horrific scene behind you. And he wants you to just move along because there's nothing to see there. And what they're really asking of you, and if you guys go back and watch some of these clips of uh, Gavin Newsom where he's supporting and saying that Biden did a good job, what he's asking of you too, and in the example of the cop, is they're asking you to not look at reality for what it is. They want you to say, I know what you guys are seeing and what's coming of it, but I want you to just pretend it's not there. I want you to just, to just make believe this isn't happening, only listen to what I'm saying, and agree with it. And so in something as, as obvious as the, uh, oh, phone got sent to voicemail? Oh, I'm getting no calls on my end. Hmm. Okay. My calls are so much, otherwise I'd call. Um, okay, sorry about that. Uh, uh, Magnus, <laughs> 12 daily doses, call in, test the line, gives you some action. <laughs> um, I guess as I tried to call in to test the line and sent a voicemail. Oh, hmm. Okay. I don't know why. But whenever you have somebody who is clearly saying, I know what you guys are seeing, and I want you to ignore that reality, and just focus on what I'm saying, that's fucking, that's so dangerous. That is like, I mean, right around the corner from that is going to be horrific stuff that we're going to be told just to ignore. And it kind of happened during the government lockdowns a couple years ago. Hey, we know you guys think that it's not as bad as it is. I'm going to say that I'm going to talk about this delicately so we don't get dinged by our tech overlords. I know you guys think it's not as bad as it is. It's not killing people at the rate that we thought it was, and it's not as contagious for some groups, but we need you to ignore that reality and just listen to what we're telling you to do. Think about that. Please ignore the reality and just listen to what I tell you to do. Scary stuff. Anyways, wanted just to show you guys that I thought it was cool and I thought it was cool to relate it back to kind of where responsibility lies and where the buck and where the buck uh, stops. Um, Susan, what's your number? I need to call in. Let me just go ahead. It's nine, two, five. No, I'm not telling you on the air, Jeremy. What are you crazy? What are you crazy? Um, I don't know why it's not forwarding. Usually it's, it's worked in the past. That's all right. We'll get that sorted out. Okay. So now when we talk about uh, responsibility, we talk about who the buck stops with. We talk about who's in charge. Now we're moving on to private equity. No reason to string all those together into one, one deal. How does that? Okay, so this is my, oh, sorry, guys. So this is my um, uh, little first portion of the video here. As always, you guys know, I'm going to kind of stop it just at random times. So we're not listening to a ton of this. 
Um, but I only get about seven seconds. I only get about seven seconds. So here we go. Private equity has minted more global billionaires than oil and technology. It's a $4.7 trillion global business. $4.7 trillion global business. At some point, the numbers just get so massive. You're just like, what? It doesn't even matter. That according to some outlets has crushed your ability to buy a house and your chance to relive your childhood at Toys R Us. Private equity is simultaneously the ultimate career goal of every insufferable business bro. Every insufferable business bro. <laughs> I'll leave that section at that. I um, wanted to introduce you guys to that channel there, which is how money works and use that first portion because as um, more and more people uh, understand what private equity is, they understand that it, basically what it's doing is it's just eating up a bunch of companies so they could just build themselves into this like powerhouse company, right? For just keeping it super basic, just some, just some bro talk right there. Um, Julian, 1999, uh, finds to fix the phone. Oh, funds to fix the phone. Thank you. I appreciate that. My, my cut of that will be the 99 cents at the end. So it'll put it to get, no, I'm just joking. Um, and, uh, so the reason why we want to talk about the private equity is because it's not just in the realm of CrossFit where it's touched our world. This the private equity group kind of moves around and just continues to just buy stuff up. And when you buy up more and more companies and we put in all this like bureaucratic stuff, meaning I have like my middle management who reports to my executives, who report to the CEO, who reports to the board, who reports possibly to the managing partners or maybe the managing partners are sitting within the board. So you have all those layers of people that are going to have their hands in making any decisions. You're going to have all those layer of of people that are going to write the checks to say, okay, we're going to fund this idea. Hey, we're not going to fund this idea and so on and so forth. And whenever you have like multiple different layers of it like that, you like the personal responsibility starts to erode out of it because it's never like me, it's the next guy up and it's never them. It's the next guy up. And then when you get to the guy at the top, it's like, oh, well, I'm just going off the numbers. And you know, it's not me personally making the decisions. I'm just making decisions within the parameter uh, and framework that I have. Right. Um, does it go to my voicemail? Does it say my name or does it just give you sleeky phone is ringing on my end now, but, uh, went to voicemail. Dang sleeky would have called that would have been a fun one. Okay. So the question is, is like, as we, it moves up the rungs and as you have all these people with their hands and making the decisions and saying, let's put money to this, let's not put money to this, take money away from this. Um, they're all pretty much after one end goal which this is going to be from the same exact uh, channel that I showed you before. This is skipping ahead almost towards the end of the video for relevance of what I'm talking about. Four times before you have deployed all of your money. The companies you acquire are called portfolio companies, and your job now is to get as much money as possible out of them for your investors. So once you acquire one of the companies, they become, and I, I'm, Loved how Chris Cooper called it. He called it the CrossFit baseball card. And if you look at like, this is whole the structure of the company. We don't need to focus too much on that. But if you look at all the little businesses down below and what they're talking about here, each one of those would essentially become to the private equity group, a trading card. How is it performing? Is it making me more money? Is it making me less money? What is it doing? Right. And my job is, is one goal. It's not to promote a revolution in health. It's not to, you know, build some crazy community or culture. It's just to increase the value of the company for my investors in that company. 
That is the one goal. And you you guys have heard us uh, talk about that quite a bit. But how do they do that? How do they increase value into a company? Private equity firms have a bad reputation for gutting companies, laying off staff, and saddling them with tons of debt. And that's because they do this a lot. Since you own the portfolio companies, you can tell their CEOs what to do. Since you own a portfolio company, remember that's the company that they bought, in this case, the CrossFit Training Guard, you could tell the CEOs what to do. Nope, it's not a joke. That's real. So the first portion of that too, they said they come in and they gut the companies, they stack it with a bunch of debt. And, um, and that's, they pull on different levers to see if they could increase the value of the company. And um, I was talking with uh, Sevon earlier today and he used the analogy of like a house as I was like talking about this with him, just processing how I was going to kind of explain this. And it makes a lot of sense with a house. So if I buy a house for $100 and I put $10 down and I use $90 of the bank's money, and then I fix up the house a little bit, put on you know some different paint and remodel the kitchen a little bit, I can now value that house at $200. And at the same time, as I'm uh, building onto the house, as I'm adding more value to it, I'm also paying down the mortgage slightly. So maybe I owed $90 to the bank and by the time it's all fixed up and everything else, I've paid down a little bit more so I own a little bit more equity of the home and I've made it look a little bit better. Now I've done two things. I'm able to flip the house for more because of what I've done to it, but I also own more of the equity of the house because I paid down the debt that was due to it. So now I have two separate ways to increase uh, um, the value of the company for my investors, okay? So I say all that to say, okay, so what has CrossFit done so far? Well, we've seen CrossFit lay off quite a bit of their staff. So we've they came in with the baseball bat and did that whole thing. And we even just saw it in the recent with... Uh, Keith Knapp and um, a couple of others that have been like let go of the company. So they're continuing to do this, which again, uh, every person they let go, it saves them money, right? And um, as they change other things in the company, like we heard Don say on uh, 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 Kettlebells and Cocktails podcast that he was taking a meaningful money out of the games. Like we have no idea what that's going to look like yet, but we know that something is going to happen there too. And that's just along the lines of the same thing they did by just laying off a bunch of people because it's the fastest way to gain more money. You just cut your expenses and now you have more to your uh, bottom line without having to actually like grow the revenue of the company. At the same time, I guarantee you Berkshire Partners um, ended up getting it financed by one of their investment bakers. So perhaps as they were saying, they were like breaking even, they're pushing some more money to pay down that debt. And then they're doing pulling both those uh, levers at the same time. But the question is, is what is their ultimate goal, right? Like, what does it all uh, end in amount to? And basically, what they want to do is increase the value of the company as much as they can and sell it. That is that is the goal. Now, how long will it take for them to sell it? Um, who knows? I mean, typically, they say within the range of like three to five years, which also makes sense because if you look at the executives that come into uh, companies that are owned by private equity groups, usually the executives and the CEOs last about the same, about three to five years. Um, they come in, they do their job with the people that they know how to add value to the company. And then once it's there, they sell it off, right? Um, Judy Lynn, if they sell it for the, a loss, can they write it off? Yeah, so that's another great question, right? If something isn't performing very well in their portfolios of companies, like, and 
I won't go this far down deep into it, but if you guys go to berkshirepartners.com, you could see the list of portfolio companies that they own. It's a vast portfolio. There's, there's a bunch of companies that they own. So if you look at that in terms of how the managing partners and the people who own Berkshires are going to look at it, CrossFit isn't as important to them as it is to us because it's one thing in a multiple of their portfolios. And uh, Judy Lynn said, if they sell it for a loss, can they write it off? Well, maybe they're just going to sell it off because it isn't performing well. And they also just want to cut their losses. Right. So who knows? Um, no private equity. Don't play that. I'm not sure what that comment meant, uh, Sunday Rambler, but I'm glad you're back to your, uh, one of your original photos there. I always liked the monkey with the, uh, rainbow paint across the bottom. So, um, who exactly would they sell it to Judy Lynn, uh, uh, Judy Reed, sorry, uh, tax write-off. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a, uh, tax write-off in, in that sense. I'm, I'm not familiar with that structure, but you could be right. Cause on a, on like personal income level, that's how that would work. Right. Um, uh, but Berkshire's, uh, only worth a trillion or two. Well, be careful. Don't get Berkshire half Berkshire and Hathaway confused with, uh, Berkshire partners. So Berkshire, a lot of people know, is owned by um, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, the late Charlie Munger. Uh, but Berkshire Partners is different. It's not um, Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. So um, I kind of just looked into a couple other private equity groups that would predict who, cross, who would want to buy CrossFit. Would they be interested in uh, buying CrossFit? And I found the uh, ROAR Capital here and I'll show you guys this. Okay. So you're going to see something right off the bat here. Let's It would have been interesting to if the phone worked to get you guys' opinions on some of this. Oh wait, where'd it go? Hold on guys, sorry. Bail with me here. There we go. At the top. Okay. Okay, so um this group I looked into and I was just, I, I didn't dive like super deep into the uh, research with this. I had relatively limited time, but I just wanted to like look at the landscape of like who, who's going to buy CrossFit and why would they want to buy it and what would they do with it? Okay. So I found this group here. I'm just going to call it Roar Capital. I don't even know what it is. But if you look at their portfolio companies, these are all the companies that they own. Now, what are we seeing here? Well, I see some fast food. We got some Baskin Robbins, Buffalo Wild Wings, Cinnabon, Carl's Jr. Oh, Anytime Fitness. Okay. Oh, Base Camp Fitness. Hmm. Okay. Now we have um, uh, a couple other Dunkin' Donuts popular. Oh, Fitness Connection. Another one. Interesting. Okay. So then as we go through, we look more. Oh, we see I9 Sports, another fitness brand. Hey, we snuck a Jamba Juice and Jimmy John's in there. That's cool. A couple more food places. I keep going and boom, I see this behemoth, Orange Theory. Hmm. Okay. As I go further down, I see a bunch more stuff. Oh, the bar method. We don't know any employees that worked at the bar method that now work at CrossFit. No, I don't think so. Um, and then we got two uh, men in a truck, which is actually a great story about that company. We got Cheesecake Factory, if you guys know that. So as I look along this list of uh, different people or different portfolio companies that this group owns here, it's an interesting mix of fitness brands and fast foods. Interesting. So 
if uh, I were to make a prediction, I could see that Roark Capital might be a strong potential buyer or somebody um, like them who own a bunch of the fitness brands. What would they do with it, Matt? What would they do with CrossFit? Well, I, again, I don't have all the information that they do, but if I were to guess, I would say that if they bought it, they could take CrossFit and they could start to roll it into some of those other places. In Orange Theory and Bar Method know how to do a commercial boutique kind of run-of-the-mill um, uh, fitness really well. I mean, those companies make a lot of freaking money, guys. Uh, so I don't know. And again, if we kind of look at like, okay, what is CrossFit doing in terms of like how they're going to position the company? Um, if you look like it, as more as it comes in line with like an Orange Theory or an F45 or some of these things, more and more you start to wonder like, hmm, are they just positioning it to look attractive to different companies like this that already have multiple fitness brands that they could somehow utilize and leverage CrossFit to roll it into um, their larger portfolio companies? Uh, Judy Reed, um, Orange Theory Fitness is also called CrossFit Light. I don't know. Uh, Professor Chaos, Carl's Jr. Hart. <laughs> The oh well. Um, if you guys watched Hiller's video with Frank, every time the eyes came up and it did the oh well bit, like it just got funnier as it went. <laughs> I don't know why that one gets me so much. Um, but that was that was pretty funny. So it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting when you look at what the uh private equity group what Berkshire Partners wants to do and where it's going to position CrossFit and where it could lead in the future. We know one thing for sure, CrossFit is going to be sold. It's going to be sold at some point in time and then the same kind of stuff that we saw as it transitioned from uh ownership under Greg to Berkshire Partners and all that stuff that took place, the firing, the restructuring, all of that stuff um inevitably will happen again when it's sold because if you think about it if a company that they buy comes with its own accounting department and marketing department in a place like uh Roark Capital already have all that with under the fitness realm there's no need for them to spend money on that they would just let all of that go and just do it with the internal teams and resources that they already have so just kind of something a uh, little food for thought for you guys in terms of uh where it's all where it's all going um can i'm hoping ufc buys crossfit interesting interest interesting um so whenever you guys are looking at who might uh buy it or who might be in the market for it again you could make those connections yourself and also too i want to um make note of something as in explaining that it wasn't actually to show it as a negative. It was just basically to show it as the reality as it is. And that was on purpose. Uh, I hope this caller um, knows. Okay, I'm not going to answer this one, just in case they're not calling to call on the show. Okay. Um, and uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Better get it back. What are you saying? Anyways, you could kind of uh, uh, guess those next moves and where I was putting it. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I had a point that I was going to make there. Let's try to guess Frank's new alias. <laughs> Poor Frank. <laughs> Hiller, like if there was a gift of like somebody. Okay, we're going twice. All right, we're going with it now. Hold on. 
Hi, you're live on the air. Hello? Hello? Okay, sorry. I thought you were calling because you were calling into the show. And then when you call back, I was like, maybe you're calling into the show, but I don't think you are. Oh my gosh, I'm calling Sevan. <laughs> oh, that's why. Thought- he forwarded the wrong number. That explains it. Oh my God. That, that is so funny. That explains it. Haley, congratulations. You are the first caller into my show on Tuesday afternoon. I am so honored. <laughs> Thank oh you for God. calling in. And you could let Sevan know that he forwarded his phone, not the live call in number, which makes sense why oh it wasn't. Oh my working. God, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. I'll let him know. All right. Bye, Haley. Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a good show. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, that was funny. I thought when it was like the devil call that there was like an emergency, but it makes more sense. Um, Andrew, I wanted to find this <laughs> meme that had somebody like running somebody over and then like backing them up and like running them over again, and then like backing them up. <laughs> oh man, dude, your video. By the way, um, this is wasn't on topic at all, but we're gonna take a quick swerve here because now that I know that uh um, Mr. Andrew Hiller is in the comment section in watching the show. Um, if you guys haven't already, this freaking thing, uh, this movie Hiller made, movie, episode, whatever you want to call it, um, bring it up. This. 48 hours with Haley Adams. Dude, Hiller. Great job, bro. I mean, this in the the way that you edit it shows too. Like, I mean, I know you had a lot of depth to like your videos and how you create them and stuff like that too. But dude, this one, bro, you knocked it out of the park. These sit-down interviews were some of the best that I've seen come out of the CrossFit space in a really long time, dude. I mean. I so I'll be completely honest here. Okay. I threw it on when you um and I'm gonna flex here when you sent me a little private screener. Thank you for that. But I, I threw it on and I was like, okay, I want to do some programming, some scheduling stuff, prep for my week, and just kind of have this on as background so I could like pay, you know, listen to it and and somewhat pay attention. And dude, I stopped everything I was doing and I was just watching the video. Like a few minutes in, I was like, oh shit, like this is holding my attention really good here. And I'm like, I'm I'm in I'm like invested in it now. So no work got done until after all 53 minutes and 50 seconds were watched. So if you guys haven't already, which I'm sure you have, knowing this crowd, go check it out. That video is going over a hundred thousand in the next couple of days, guaranteed. So congrats, Hiller. Cool stuff, dude. Um, all right, now that I completely derailed myself in the show. Simon warned me too in the past. He's like, you have to have a pen so you can just write down and come back to your uh notes there. Oh. Okay, we're going to tie it together. It came back to me, guys. So showing you the private equity, talking about uh, Gavin Newsom, and then also tying it together with, hey, we know you see the reality, but don't worry about what you see actually happening. Just worry about what we're saying, right? And so we kind of see that happening a little bit coming out of that private equity group with CrossFit, meaning like, hey, you know that you're seeing it go down this path, but trust us, it's okay. It's okay. Um. You were saying you didn't want to bring it up as to be seen as a negative. Yeah, thank you. And so that basically just sums up that I don't think those I don't think the private equity group are the bad guys. Like I know that um, 
I know that it's doing a lot to our community and everything else, but they're just doing their job. That's what they're doing. Private equity got purchased in CrossFit forever changed as we know it. And rather than looking back and saying, I hope they do the stuff that they did in the past, we could just look at what private equity groups and where they're going in the future and know that there's going to be um, some more of that. Again, not necessarily a good or a bad thing on them. Just it is, it is what it is. It is what it is. Okay. All right. Moving on. Last topic of the day comes to us from our uh, good folks over at Broken Science Initiative. Bring up the website here. Boom, boom, boom. So here's the BSI website. Um, if you guys haven't, you could log in there. The, they're creating really these cool like community there where you could comment. You could see these different topics. If you guys haven't already, go in there and drop your um, uh, email and you'll get these articles delivered to your inbox every day. And the one that you guys probably recognize from the thumb thumbnail is all the way over the right, screen right, screen left. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let me bring this up real quick. Here is the article written about the article with the rats okay um so it goes on to say here that uh, a review article with some obviously fake and non-scientific illustrations created by artificial intelligence was the talk on x uh february 15th it says today but this was i think probably yeah february 15th um the figures in the paper were generated by the ai tool mid journey which generated some pretty uh, but nonsensical illustrations with unreadable text. It appears that neither uh, the editor nor the two peer reviewers looked at the figures at all. The paper was peer reviewed within a couple of weeks and published two days ago, which would be on February uh, 15th or 13th. Sorry. Um, the paper that was by Sin Yu Gu, it's a Chinese name there, um, has a bunch of these. Uh, photos, and I'll kind of zoom in so you guys could see like a little bit better, has a bunch of these AI generated photos. And if you guys look at the writing there, it's literally just made up words in some cases. And this straight up looks like a bowl of cereal with what seems to be stem cells in it. <laughs> oh my goodness, right? So like this was literally left in the uh, paper. Um, the authors did disclose that the figures were generated by Midjourney. That was the AI tool that generated these images. But the images are uh, anatomically and scientifically incorrect. Okay, so the um, article just goes on to kind of describe like the different uh, figures that you guys are looking at. If you go to click this link here, which um, uh, uh, brings you to where the paper was published and i'll bring that up here you're just going to get this notice on frontiers that was who published uh this peer-reviewed paper and there's been a retraction it's not there anymore because all their photos were ai generated and made absolutely no sense so um all the claims are still in the and, and uh or those of the publisher the editors and reviewers any product that may be evaluated in this article or claim may not be manufactured or okay sorry that wasn't what i wanted to um, yeah, so if you look here, it was published on February 13th of this year, and it was uh, retracted on February 16th. This hit Twitter on February 15th. So it didn't stay alive very long because people knew that the whole thing was uh, bullshit. Sevon, I forwarded the wrong phone. Yeah, we got that. We got it. We got it figured out. <laughs> Thanks. Um, 
so yeah so you guys could go you want me to read their uh action yeah we'll bring that up so you guys could go check this out yourself if you want to do it in a little bit more uh, detailed here. But following the publication, concerns were raised regarding the nature of its AI-generated figures. The article does not meet the standards of the editorial in the scientific rigor for frontiers in cell and development biology. Oh, but you published it, didn't you? Therefore, the article has been redacted. Yeah, of course. I mean, it passed through and it published. And this harms your guys' credibility like so much so. Okay, so what do you? So what's the point, Matt? Why why would BSI write this article about this? And um, obviously, it got found out right away. Problem solved, right? Well, not really. Article goes on. This from the article here. Uh, of course, we can all have a good laugh at these figures and wonder how on earth the handling editor and the two pre-reviewers didn't catch this. But the paper is actually a sad example of how scientific journals, editors, and peer reviewers can be naive or possibly even in the loop in terms of accepting and publishing AI-generated crap. These figures are clearly not scientifically correct, but if such botched illustrations can pass peer review so easily, more realistic-looking AI figures have likely already infiltrated the scientific literature. Okay, this is the whole entire point I want to drive home here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that one more time. But if such botched illustrations can pass peer review so easily, more realistic-looking AI-generated figures have likely already infiltrated the scientific literature. Generative AI will do serious harm to the quality, trustworthiness, in the value of scientific papers. So basically, what the, the point of this and why this article was written, right? Because these are like comically, you guys saw it in the thumbnail and you're like, dude, what the, f like, this is ridiculous. You're, um, what the hell is that? It's a rat with like a huge balls and dong. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird, right? But that made it through. Two different people peer reviewed it and then um, a Frontiers published it. Okay, and there was like made up words in ridiculous looking illustrations, illustrations. But what happens when the AI generated images are so freaking real looking that we can't tell the difference? And if you guys remember the paper that we talked about um, last week from the uh, DFCI, the uh, Dana-Farber uh, Cancer Institute, and the research that they were taking photoshopped images and dropping them into their paper to get it passed so that way they could get grants, which is just giving them money for their stuff. Imagine now an AI-generated image so real that it makes the uh, research and it makes the paper looks like it does what it's supposed to do. We ran the experiment. Here we go. But it was all made up. It was all AI-generated kind of scary stuff. And the reason why this is so important too is because all of our fearless leaders like Mr. Gavin Newsom, who we talked about at the beginning of the show, what do they tell you to do? They tell you to follow the science. Has it been peer reviewed? Are you a doctor? Was that a published article? Because this is the voice of authority and this is what they're using to block other people from talking because, oh, well, it wasn't peer reviewed. Oh, well, it wasn't published from one of these noteworthy uh, uh, publishing things or an institution like Harvard, like we talked about last time, right? So now all of a sudden we're saying, oh, okay, okay. So the authority is the peer review. 
the popularity contest. The authority is getting your published paper, uh, your paper published. And that's going to be the holy grail to give you the credibility you need to follow the science. But as we see in these two examples that we pointed out last week and this week from the good folks over at Broken Science, that the house of cards is falling. And there's more and more of this type of stuff coming out than there is not. And so I really like the... Um, uh, I really like what they're doing over there as far as making people aware of this because I didn't really think about AI-generated like images used in that regard, right? Everybody's like, AI is coming to steal the jobs. But quickly, AI will become the voice of authority. And if you guys follow Sevon's account, like his uh, Instagram, his personal one, and you saw what he did giving the AI chatbot some different prompts and like the weird shit it spit out, Hold on to your hats because that could soon become the authority. Because why would you question the computer? You wouldn't. It knows more than you. It's smarter than you. Okay. Um, Dan Grady, AI-generated images aren't necessarily bad. It's a drawing either way. The issue, uh, uh, the issue is, is, is if it's nonsense. Or what if they're using those images to illustrate the points that they're making off their hypothesis, and then those images are used to give the hypothesis credibility of everything that's done in the paper? And then you can't tell the difference between the images that are being made up by AI or the images uh, that are actually real that they used in the scientific experiment. Um, there's one last piece at the end of the article here that I just want to read. And I want you guys, we'll, we'll do the test here in a minute and see, um, just so you guys can see it. But uh, at the very bottom of the article, it reads, but recent, recent advances in AI technology mean we're already past the stage where a human can distinguish a fake photo from a real photo. Just take this recent New York Times quiz to see if you could spot the difference. Let's take the quiz, shall we? Okay. And I'll kind of give some pause here to let you guys see. Here's the quiz. These images here, are um, AI generated. Holy crap, all these pop-ups. These images here are either real or AI generated. They give us 10 options and you have to pick AI or real. And then at the end, it'll tell you what your score was out of 10. And I'll drop the uh, link right here for you guys. So there it is. Normally we hate the uh, New York Times, but um, this little portion of it was uh, was good here. Okay, so let's see. What do we see? Uh, Zach says AI. Um, Matt Burton says time to train. Good afternoon. Thanks for hanging out. Um, Rambler says uh, fake. Okay, so what do we think? Professor says human. Let's find out. We'll go with uh, we had more fake than we had AI. So AI. Wrong. It's real. Okay. Try another. What do you guys think? Real or fake? Real or fake? We'll do it classes. Is it real or fake? Uh, I say it's real. Hey, got it right. Got it right. We're going to try one more, and then I'll let you guys have fun with this. Real or fake? Real or fake? Bum, 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 bum. Looks real to me. It's AI. And it's basically just a, it's basically just a guess. Sunday Rambler, too fugly. <laughs> Do you read? Woohoo, I'm 50%. All right, you're going to start uh, peer reviewing some of the, the papers. Uh, Zach, oh, fuck off. We're screwed. Yeah. Let's do cakes next. 
dude so right like the cakes that they make up that are supposed to look like real things is this real or is this a cake um great little bit there philip yeah so that's just uh it's kind of scary right like in terms of being able to decipher what's real or what's not and like we usually think of it in just kind of like fun ways of like oh well this celebrity's nude got leaked no it was ai generated but when it comes to infiltrating our um science in our medicine and everything else it it all of a sudden becomes a um pretty pretty scary thing generated yeah there's uh, really no way for peer review to know whether the data are fake or real at cross fat so that's definitely an issue um i'll give you guys a i think i did a recommended reading last time i, I really didn't want this to become part of it each time but uh yes i do have it this book was ah, this book was uh, on the CrossFit reading list. I think they were recommended by like Greg or somebody. This was from a while back. But um, this was uh, a fantastic book. It's called Rigor Mortis, How Sloppy Science Creates um, Worthless Cures, Crushes Hope, and Wastes Billions by Richard Harrison. I definitely think that you guys should um, check this out. The read's super interesting, but it basically says that there's no more like rigor in science, meaning like, there's a replication crisis. One person will come up and be like, hey, we ran this experiment, Experiment. here's the results, and they'll retest using the same scientific method that they originally found the results with, and they're not able to duplicate it in any way. So that's an issue. That'll go over there for right now. Be on the lookout, people. Use your brains. Be on the lookout. Times is a change in. Okay, and we're going to finish up with uh, this bit here. I liked this because with all that being said, sometimes we need to focus on not just saying, well, we're fucked, there's nothing we could do, but saying, hey, we have personal responsibility and we could do our parts within ourselves to make this world a better place. And this is our friend, uh, Dear Modern, who I found here on the uh, interwebs that I thought was kind of uh, cool. And we'll play now. Don't be a wiener. Uh, this bathroom is so disorganized. I want a new one. Fix it. Uh, this sofa is so old and saggy. I want a new one. Fix it. Ah, this is so annoying. It keeps blocking my way. I want a new house. Fix it. Uh, this window is so cold and drafty. I want a new one. Fix it. So, now you know. I thought that would uh, end on a great reminder there that um, it is within our power and our responsibility to, when we see a problem, don't complain and think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we can fix it. Or to some degree, maybe do our part to fix it. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out again on the Tuesday. Like I said, uh, I will try to get these shows more regularly on uh, 11 a.m., but you guys are kind of coming along with my normal crazy schedule. Got up, coached a class, went out to Hayward, coached a bunch of firefighters-to-be because they're in the academy, and um, scrambled home to get back to you guys. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out. I think maybe next time we could get the... Um, phone line working. So it'd be really cool to just get your guys' uh, opinions on some of the different material that I'm bringing up to discuss. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. If there's anything you want to talk about or um, dig a little deeper in in the world of CrossFit or outside of it in general, 
uh, please send it to me, shoot me a DM, and um, we could uh, bring it up in the next one. Okay. Brookends update. Yes. Oh, fuck. Are you guys going to start doing this where you ask me what's going on with the schedule to get some insider look on like what's happening and who's coming up? Crafty, Ken. Crafty. Brookends. Yes. She will be on soon. I uh, promise you that. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. We realized the phone was going uh, somewhere else. Um, random crushed question. Own FL. RG, how much do you snatch? Any given day? Like if you and I just walked outside and went to go do it right now, probably be good for like 195 to like 200. My best ever, 235. Okay, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Oh, own own flag. Got it wrong. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the psychology behind MILFs on the next episode. Yeah, I'll dig, I'll dig into that. And see how that's uh, going. Uh, Tinfoil uh, Matt Tuesdays. Okay. All right. We'll see. Last question. How many sausages have you ate today? Not enough, Jan Clark. Not enough. You could always fit one more sausage in the mouth. All right, guys. Have a great day. I'll see you next time. Greg Glassman on tomorrow morning. Bye-bye.